Welcome back, Online Business Warrior. Today, Jim wants to talk about the most stable business you can possibly have online, and he tells you exactly where to start based on having seen thousands of success stories. This is an episode I think you'll want to share. Be sure to send your friends to silentjim.com so they can check us out. We love every listener and know full well that without you, we wouldn't have a show. Thank you for listening. It looks like the man behind the mic is ready to roll. So here's your host, Jim Cockrum. Hey, that's right. It's time for Silent Sales Machine Radio. And today we're going to talk about the most stable business model you could ever have online and exactly where to start. And today I'm going to talk to someone specific. I'm talking to you, Mike. Yeah, you heard me. I just used your name, Mike. Now, maybe you're wondering why I pulled the name Mike seemingly randomly out of the air today, and I promise you everyone with the name Mike is now really listening to what I'm going to say next, and most of the rest of us are probably pretty curious about what's going on, right? Well, I'll explain why I used that name here in just a moment. Promise it's going to make sense when I do. I know it seems very random, but if your name is Mike, I sure got your attention, didn't I? But I'm going to explain that, and the premise of what I'm going to talk about today, the whole foundation of it is it's better to know the customers you already have really, really well instead of always seeking new customers. Okay. You've heard it said this way before. It costs a lot more money to get new customers than it does to find new ways to serve the customers you already have. You've heard that saying before, right? I mean, it's been a timeless business principle that's been around well before the internet came along. You can make a lot more money just by serving the people who already know and like you, serving them better versus constantly trying to find new customers. Well, this is one of the reasons why the Amazon model is a little tricky to navigate sometimes because, you know, at the end of the day, having an Amazon business, while it's fantastic, and we have people in our community who have used the proven Amazon course to grow five-figure monthly businesses, six-figure monthly businesses, eight-figure annual businesses. I mean, we've got people doing everything from finding a creative way to make ends meet selling on Amazon part-time, all the way up to large teams doing it full-time. I love selling on Amazon. I love selling on eBay. But one of the reasons I'm always talking about multiple income streams is because of some of the limitations that those models bring. And there's not a lot of people out there talking about it from this angle. I'm not just talking about the risks of, oh, what if Amazon suspends you and those types of things. Those are fairly nominal risks. At the end of the day, the proper relationships and partnerships and just knowing the, the statistics, 95% of the people who get suspended get reinstated. Those who don't get reinstated, there's always a creative path forward. So I'm not talking about those limitations or risks, because once you understand the full picture, there's really not a whole lot there to be afraid of. I'm talking more about the limiting factor on Amazon, for example. When you sell a product on Amazon, that's not your customer. That's Amazon's customer. Okay, so keep that thought in the back of your mind. Also keep in the back of your mind, I've said before, you've heard me say, and if you've heard previous episodes, the greatest asset you will ever have in business is a list of people who can't wait to hear from you and can't wait to work with you. That's a tremendous asset to have. So if we're going to talk about the most stable business model and exactly where you should start, well, we've got to talk about those two factors. And again, just to reiterate, Factor number one, maybe you're just selling on eBay and Amazon and you're thinking, ah, I'm not really growing a customer list here. Is this a good thing? Yeah, you're okay. That's good. But keep in mind, you're not really growing a customer list. 
You're not really growing a list of people who can't wait to hear from you again. So we need to figure out how to transition into that territory, which requires you understanding that the most valuable asset you will ever have is a list of people, ideally customers who have paid you money, and they can't wait to hear from you again, to see what you're up to next, to hear what new products you have. And we're very intentional in our community about preserving that culture. We've got a lot of positive momentum in that area. And the way we do it around here is, and this could be a whole other episode by itself for people who have a community or are trying to build one, but we filter through a lot of garbage before we present anything to our audience. So after a while, the audience, our community catches on to the fact that when we promote something, it's because we're really excited about it and it's really, really good. And a lot of times there's a good number of people in our community, and we know this is true, the statistics tell us this, they don't even read the sales letter anymore. When we launch a product or a course or a concept or an offer or an event, you know, let's say the, like for an event, let's say that the sales letter is, you know, it takes you eight minutes to read it from top to bottom and to watch all the videos, right? Well, the minute we go live, people are buying 30 seconds later. They didn't read the sales letter. They know ahead of time that, hey, Jim and his team are doing an event. I'm in right? That's the kind of relationship you want. And you don't just get that by using the right trigger words and emotional appeal in your marketing. That stuff is nonsense. And just a little side note for you. If you want to get really good at writing great marketing copy, here's all you have to do. It's my three-step formula. If you want to get your pen out and jot this down, this will save you literally every course, book, curriculum, strategy you will ever read about how to be a great copywriter. Now, I'm not playing down, you know, there's some people with some great ideas and information out there, but really this is all I do. I say, Hey everybody, here's what I've got. Here's what it does. And here's how you can get it. Oh, come on, Jim. It can't be that simple. Here's what you've got. Here's what it does. Here's how you can get it. That's not a sales letter. That's not a marketing. Well, that's all you need if you're talking to someone who trusts you. So the real work is done in gaining and earning the trust, not in writing a powerful marketing letter. You with me? So I don't play in the game of trying to convince strangers to spend a bunch of money with me. I don't sell products to strangers. That's my philosophy. I sell products to people who know, like, and trust me. And if you don't know, like, and trust me yet, well, don't buy anything. I don't have any magical formula to get people who don't know, like, and trust you to buy from you. But what I do have is a magical formula called earning trust, which requires consistency over time. And once you've got that, the sales letter writes itself. Just imagine a friend you discussing, Hey, where do you want to go to dinner? I've never been to this town before. Let's go find a nice place to eat. And he says, Oh, I've been here before. There's this great steak place. Here's what they've got. I loved it. Last time I went, let's go eat there. What are you going to say? Yeah, let's do it. Right. I mean, you trust them. They've earned that trust and respect. You say, Hey, here's the idea I've got. You don't have to use power trigger marketing words in that scenario to convince them to go try your favorite steakhouse in a town that they've been to before. And they know that it's good food, right? There's not a big sales pitch required. So that's what I'm talking about is earning the trust first. So that's my little mini side lesson on writing great sales copy. Earn the trust of your prospects by being consistent over a long period of time, delivering good, solid content, really applying strong filters to everything that you put out there. One of the things that we're learning with some of the Facebook marketing that we're doing, we're Remember, uh, if you've listened to some of the, the past recent episodes where we talked to Brett, if you go back to episode number 16, where we talk about doing some Facebook advertising and we are spending just a few dollars in uncovering really 
active niche markets, growing large email lists, using simple video marketing. One of the things we're discovering there is that Facebook helps you target your ad if your ad's doing well. Now, here's what I mean. Let's say you create an ad that is, maybe it's a video ad or it's a text ad or something, and you're targeting it at single moms between the age of 30 and 40 with kids under the age of 12. Like you think that's your target demographic. You think that's who your message appeals to. That's you kind of guessing at who makes up your audience and who's going to want your stuff, right? So you pay Facebook and you say, hey, these are the people I want to target. And everyone out there teaching Facebook marketing basically says, hey, you've got to identify your target market. And then you tell Facebook who you want to target with your ads, right? That's just some that's some basic Facebook marketing. I don't do a whole lot of that. I tend to shoot really broad on Facebook. And some of the stuff we're doing with Brett, we're shooting really broad. We're saying, hey, world, here's an interesting video. And we throw it out there. And we pay a few pennies per click and we just see who it resonates with. And what ends up happening is it doesn't necessarily appeal to the people we think it's going to appeal to. Facebook comes back to us and says, hey, guess what? Your highest demographic of viewers of this video or of this ad happens to be, you know, married couples, dads who are married, who earn over $60,000 a year and who have a college degree. You thought it was going to be single moms with young kids. Well, you know, that demographic, yeah, they're on the radar, but the demographic that's really interested is demographic X. And, and Facebook even says, hey, would you like us to show the ad to more of those people? Because they're the ones watching your video from start to finish. And what do we say? Of course. And if we'd have gone in thinking we know it all and told Facebook, we only want this ad targeted at these people only. Oh, okay. That they'll show it to only those people, but we go in with a much broader stroke. So this is, there's a little Facebook marketing lesson in here, but there's also a bigger lesson. The bigger lesson is you don't always know who your message appeals to. I had no idea when I started email marketing and started growing my mailing list. I had a vision in my head of who I thought my listeners were. And I'm going to explain why I used the name Mike in just a minute. I'm going to explain why today I'm talking to you, Mike. Okay. This is going to make sense in a minute. Well, I surveyed my entire customer list. And I said, Hey guys, tell me more about yourself. I didn't have any demographic information. All I had was email addresses. Tell me more about yourself. Who are you? Are you male or female? Are you college educated or not? Are you, you know, and Google analytics will do this for you too. It's, you know, a lot of the the free tools out there, you can plug into your website and see who's visiting and what are they like? What else do they like? You know, Facebook is beautiful at this. If you throw up an ad, they'll tell you who's clicking. You just got, instead of being real narrow with your Facebook ads and, and scoping it way down, just throw a, you know, spend 50 bucks and throw a nice wide net and see who's clicking. Facebook will tell you. I'm not going to go into specifics on that, but I did that some of that with my email and come to find out it was a completely different group of people than I thought I was gathering around me. And it just turns out that if you go to, and now I'm not going to tell you a lot about the demographics of my audience and their age and all of that. And it, you know, we have a very wide appeal, obviously, but all of this stuff could go on a bell curve. So the, the heart of the folks that my message appeals to, for the most part, they're slightly older than me. They're typically have some college education, but not necessarily graduated, you know, those types of things. We could go through it all. But when I look at the most popular first name, in my demographics, which isn't hard to do, it happens to be Mike. So when I started off today's show by saying, hey, Mike, this show's for you, all I was really doing was playing the odds. Now, it's only, you know, maybe 
of all the tens of thousands of names out there, 1% of you, probably not quite that many, but yeah, the name Mike. So I was just hitting as many of you as I could with your first name by opening the show that way, illustrating I know my audience because I've spent some time, as I said at the start of the show, getting to know the customers I already have instead of constantly only seeking out new customers. I'm getting to know the customers I already have. Bear with me for just a moment. I'm going to talk straight to you. If you work at eBay corporate or you work at Amazon corporate or you know someone who does, have them listen, especially to this segment. Tell them, hey, scroll about 12 minutes into Jim Cochran's podcast episode and uh, check this out because I'm going to talk straight to you for just a moment. And those of you who don't work at eBay or Amazon, but you use those platforms, hang in there. You're going to like what I have to say here, because this is something that a competitor could just come along and take so much territory away from either one of those guys. And either one of them could explode their business if they would open up the possibilities in this arena. And it has to do with everything I'm talking about right now, allowing those of us who sell online to get to know our customers and establish relationships. And and the logic goes like this. It is a timeless truth of business, that it is easier and more powerful and effective to sell to people who already know, like, and trust you than it is to sell to strangers. And right now, the way Amazon is set up, and to a large degree the way eBay is set up, it's constantly selling to strangers because we can't grow an email list. So we're severely limiting the potential of our businesses as online sellers. We're limited. Our hands are kind of tied because if I sell, let's just pull a random hobby out of the air. Let's say I'm into trains and model trains and model train equipment, and I sell some of that on Amazon. Well, if I could pull some of those customers into my email list, I'd be willing to pay you Amazon. Yes, of course. It's another income stream for you, Amazon. Wake up. You are not train hobby experts at amazon.com. You are logistical experts. You move boxes very efficiently from warehouses to front porches. You've got it figured out. But what you're not good at is facilitating all these interesting and unique hobby niche markets and all these passionate prospects who are gathered into these groups. Let those who serve those groups well serve those groups well. And if you want to ignite the number of transactions happening, eBay and Amazon corporate, you want to see a huge boost I'll be happy to get on the phone and talk with you. Call me up. I've got some ideas. I've been thinking about this stuff for over a decade. I mean, I'm just tapping the the tip of the iceberg here. The true potential is in allowing relationships to form. This is a timeless truth of business. Where there are transactions, there's a potential for a relationship. That's timeless truth, okay? Think about it for a second. Every time a transaction occurs, there is a potential and an opportunity for a relationship to form. You tracking with me? Every time a transaction happens, there's also an opportunity for another transaction in the future. If you go to a restaurant and love it, you're going to go back. If the restaurant treats you awesome that second time and remembers who you were somehow, and remembers your preferences, wow, you're really going to love that place now. They start to build a relationship with you. They know what you like. They're texting you their menu updates. They're asking your opinion on, because you're one of their top 5% clients, they're asking your opinion on menu changes. You know, that's what small business owners do. We know It's a timeless truth of business. I'm talking to eBay and Amazon and those of us who use those platforms. It's any of us who are looking for the most stable business model possible online, okay? We know that it is so much better and easier to know the customers we already have versus constantly seeking new customers. So all I'm suggesting, eBay and Amazon corporate, before you sign off on my little five-minute rant, 
is that you open the door, not maybe not to all of us, only to those of us who have earned it, possibly, only those of us who are willing to pay for the privilege, possibly, but make it possible for the really good sellers who really know their niche, the thought leaders, the thought leaders in the model train niche, the thought leaders in the pet care niche, the thought leaders in the whatever you name it industry to step in and say, hey, get on our mailing list. We'll only sell our products on Amazon. We'll sign an agreement if you want us to, but allow us to start building those relationships with our clients. That gives us a sense of stability and long-term relationship with our clients. And that's a nice segue right back to where I wanted to go with the best way to have a stable business, which was the whole point of the topic today, the best way to have a stable business long-term online and exactly where to start. Now, this may sound like I'm kind of going against what I already said, but I'm not. The best way to have a long-term stable business isn't to pursue your passion online. There's a lot of people out there who will say, just find what you're passionate about and go do that and figure out a way to get it online. I'm saying, no, that's terrible because most of the world doesn't care what you're passionate about. Most of the world is saying, what can you do for me? That's what customers are saying. What are you going to do to earn some of my certificates of appreciation? Now, if it's something you're passionate about, that's cool. You know, me as a model train collector, let's say, and I'm not, I'm just pulling that out of the air, but let's say I'm looking for, you know, engine X on Amazon. I don't care if you're passionate about engine X or not. I really don't. I'm just looking for engine X. And if you're the guy that can get it for me reliably at a great price and there it is, boom, I'm going to grab it. Now, yes, it would be cool if it turns out that you're a thought leader in that arena and you have some great free content for me. I'll get on your mailing list. But at the time of purchase, I don't care about those things. It's not until you've served me and served me well and asked permission to add value to my life that I'll begin to care what your passions and interests are. So don't come onto the internet saying, hey world, here I am, talented me, everybody should care, because nobody does. <laughs> no one cares. No matter what your talent and skill set is, and I'm not trying to crush, you know, that that spirit of self-esteem and of, you know, all that stuff that's been pumped into us since kindergarten. You're special in the world will always care about what you care about. No, it, you know what? Most people don't care about the things you care about. Most people care what you can do for them. And they're not going to give you certificates of appreciation, also called money, until you serve them well. So I suggest my strategy for success online and where you should start is serve people well. Find some of those 5 and $10 widgets. We had someone ask recently, what's a widget, Jim? You always talk about widgets. A widget is just any generic random item that could be any thing that you sell. It's just a generic term for whatever the product is that you happen to be selling. So you find these local widgets on retail shelves for five and $10 that are selling for 50 or 60 online. And you serve your customers by moving them. As we've talked about in previous episodes, you move them from a place of low perceived value or abundance where people aren't buying them anymore because there's too many of them. And you move them to a place where they're more scarce and they're of higher value. And you provide a great value in doing that. That is how you get used to the process of serving customers. And what's going to happen if you do enough of that inch deep, mile wide, just finding valuable products and moving them from one place to another, it doesn't matter what the products are, what the widgets are, over time, you are going to have an opportunity to advance your level of service 
to that arena. There's going to be some niche market. There's going to be some partner. There's going to be some manufacturer or uh, there's going to be some local company that's always struggled to get their business online. You will find yourself beginning to have specialization opportunities. And so the world still doesn't care what you're passionate about. And we'll give you plenty of time. If you had all the money in the, in, that you needed and you were able to work reasonable amount of hours and had all the money you needed coming in and you were rolling on the successful business, you could pursue your passion online. You know, get that 18th century poetry blog going at that point, right? And your 15 passionate readers will love it. That's going to be awesome. Have fun with that. I'm not saying don't pursue your dream, but I'm saying find a way to serve a lot of people well and put some money in the bank doing it and then pursue your passions. So while some people tell you that pursuing your passion online is the way to go, I'm saying, ah, there's just too many passions out there for me to make such a statement. There's some really random passions. You've heard me talk about, hey, my passion might be sitting on the bank of the river with a hook and a worm catching fish all day. That's what I'm truly passionate about. I'm not serving anybody by doing that. You know, I I had a group of uh, young men at our house recently, a couple weeks ago. I freaked them out a little bit when I said, just imagine, I I want some of you guys to tell me how you would respond. I want you to be the dad. I want you to be the older guy in the room. This is a bunch of teenage boys. And I'm going to pretend to be the teenager. And I'm going to come to you and I'm going to ask you a question. And then I want one of you guys to ask me the question and I'm going to respond. The question I had was, I come in and like I'm an excited 15-year-old. And I said, Dad, Dad, guess what I want to be when I grow up? I said, what's the right way for you to answer? And they got to be the dad for a moment. One of them volunteered and said, well, tell me, little Jim, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he had an excited tone and he was playing along well. And I said, good job. You know, that that's good. That's what most of us would think. That's the proper response when someone comes in and says, guess what I want to be when I grow up, right? Well, I said, okay, now let's do this again differently. I'm going to make a point. I'm going to see what you guys think of this. So I had one of them ask, say, Mr. Jim, Mr. Jim, guess what I want to be when I grow up? And I said, I don't care and no one else will either. <laughs> and the whole room went quiet and their jaws dropped and, you know, maybe a little harsh, maybe. But I explained myself, of course. I said, if all we're talking about here is what you want to be, when you grow up so you can feel good about what you do and you can like what you are all about so you like getting up every day and you, 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 you. Who are we talking about here? We're talking about you an awful lot. So guess what I want to be when I grow up isn't anywhere nearly as interesting of a question to me as, you know what? I think I've found a very creative way to serve my fellow man that I'm extremely excited about. Can we talk about it? Now we're talking. Now we got a topic we can sink our teeth into, son. Now we're getting somewhere. You follow me? Now, I'm not suggesting as a parent that you, you know, hammer your kid with that response. Although I do know of people, I've heard that that is a response that has been used before to drive that point home. As long as you follow it up with a good lesson and, hey, you know, that's great to pursue your passion as long as we're talking about you figuring out a way to serve your fellow man with your passion. Because if your passion is just, you know, 18th century Roman poetry, you know, whatever. I mean, that's great. But how are you serving other people with that passion? That's the real question. And if we're going to talk about the most stable business model you can have online, it doesn't start out with you figuring out what you're passionate about. Because guess what? If you start serving other people well, you will become very passionate about serving other people well, and it won't matter what the product is. That bears repeating. If people are giving you certificates of appreciation constantly, 
saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing with their certificates of appreciation, those dollar bills coming your way, you're going to find it very rewarding to continue pursuing down that path and serving those customers better and better all the time. Better prices, better products, wider selection, better expertise in your niche, educating them well before they purchase whatever that widget happens to be. And the widget is irrelevant. You didn't start off passionate about this stuff, but now that you've got a bunch of people thanking you every day, now you're passionate about it. And you can do your 18th century poetry on the weekends, okay? Have fun with your blog. And maybe that'll go somewhere someday. That's awesome. But certainly don't start off with your 18th century blog poetry idea. No, don't start there. Start where people are begging, literally begging. We live in the best time in human history to be an entrepreneur. And the biggest shift, the biggest paradigm shift to ever occur in commerce is this huge trend towards buying online. And as you've heard me say before, Less than 10% of all retail is online, yet it represents this massive wave, this tidal wave of activity that's coming. Anybody that's willing to go through the simple steps to get set up doing this can be making some really good money. And this isn't just my opinion. I mean, if you hang out in our community, the people who have purchased the proven Amazon course and gone through the steps and do what we tell them to do, there's profit there. That's where you start. You can find your passionate niche at some point down the road. You can partner up with that company or get your own unique private label product that really appeals to you or whatever comes next. We talk about the C, the E, and the S. You know, the S is selling physical product online. That's where you start. I don't care what your passion is. Start selling physical products. Start serving people well by finding products cheaper in location X than they are on Amazon or eBay and moving them from location X onto Amazon or eBay, serving people well, they will pay you money. You will get passionate about that. That can lead to the most stable business model you ever have, which is serving in a repeat fashion customers that you already know well, just like I know my audience well, just like I started off the show today by talking to Mike. Remember how I identified Mike? I built an audience, built a community. Then I looked at who is in this community. I didn't set out to build a community where the most popular first name was Mike. No, I just serve people well. And then I stepped back one day and said, okay, I'm serving well. Who have I attracted? And it just so happens that the most popular name in the community is Mike. I didn't decide that I was going to set out to do that on purpose. But the more I learn about my audience, the better I can then serve them, which is the most stable business model you can ever have having a list of people who can't wait to hear from you because you've served them well in the past. So if you come to me and you say, Jim, I just don't know where to start online. I'm so overwhelmed. There's so many opportunities. There's so much going on. There's so much to learn. I'm going to say, no, there's not a lot to learn. Really isn't. For the first time in human history, if you spend about uh, an hour of focused effort, you can have an international business established, up and running, selling stuff. I couldn't count the, the hundreds of times that we've heard from people in our community who got started on Amazon day one, let's call it, and by day 15, they're making a profit and doing backflips. Now, the product that they sold wasn't something that they're passionate about. No, it was profitable. And profit is always something you can get passionate about because it means you just got done serving somebody, and that is something to get excited about. So then they add some commas and zeros to their numbers, and guess what they have? A business that they're very passionate about. And guess what they have on top of that? Extra free time. Money turns 
a lot of the problems that life throws at you into just expenses. As Lappin said on our podcast just a few episodes ago, I love that. Money doesn't make your life better. It doesn't mean you're going to be happy, but it does change a lot of the challenges and problems that life throws at you, changes them into expenses, which gives you freedom to pursue your 18th century blog about Roman poetry or whatever it is. Okay, so hopefully this made sense today. I'm not trying to beat anybody up, and this is just me speaking from the heart, using what I've learned Again, the foundation of everything I do. If you haven't heard episode zero, maybe you should go back and check it out. The only way to hear episode zero is at silentgym.com. I explain the whole foundation of where I'm coming from, my business philosophy that served me very well in our team as it continues to explode. And Nathan, Brett, and I have this eight-figure business now that we've built, selling on Amazon, selling on eBay, Facebook Marketplace is huge, Walmart is huge, growing a massive mailing list in several different niche markets, selling out events in a single day whenever we want to, customers lined up wanting to work with us and talk to us, the books that we need to write just falling into place. I can't possibly write fast enough for all the great ideas that we know would be great sellers. Is it because I'm so smart? No, it's because I'm applying the timeless truths of business that have been with us forever. Human nature hasn't changed forever. The timeless truths of how to serve them well haven't changed forever. We just understand it around here. That's it. We understand very well those principles. So if you want to jump back and hear the foundation of all of where this is coming from, maybe you think it's crazy talk. Well, I would just say, you know, show me a better way that's working better, more consistently. We've got thousands of success stories. We've got testimonials flying everywhere. Don't listen to me. Go read some of our success stories. Go to any of our websites. Go to provenamazoncourse.com. Now, you better need to block off a couple hours and just go through all the testimonials and success stories. And we don't even put them up there anymore. I mean, we're literally getting them every day. We don't even update the site anymore because there's just so many of them. We need a whole like Wikipedia encyclopedia section for these things because this stuff just flat out works. So you don't have to believe me. Go try to prove me wrong. Go start your 18th century poetry blog. See how, let me know, prove me wrong. I would love to hear from you. But I'm saying, why not go to where there's just masses of people begging to be served well? And now that you have the tools and you know how to serve them well, start serving them. You'll be very passionate about it. That's the best way to have long-term stability with an online business. I love doing this. I hope it shows up. Hey, if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, maybe you really don't like me now. Maybe this is the only episode you've ever listened to. I would say, hey, go back and listen to a few others before you leave me a review on iTunes so I can get something better than a one star out of you. But hey, so far with, uh, we're coming up on a couple hundred reviews. It's been all five-star reviews on iTunes. That just blows me away. I did not see that coming because I thought I was a little more controversial than that. But apparently, those of you who are sticking around like what you're hearing, so thank you for that. Hey, what really helps us out, as always, I mention this quite frequently, is if you go to iTunes and you subscribe there's a video at silentgym.com that will walk you through how to subscribe on iTunes. It'd be a huge favor to me, as well as how to listen to the show on any device so you can download it and not miss any shows. But specifically on iTunes, we're really trying to get some traction there and get the attention of the uh, the upper echelon of decision makers at iTunes, which we're already like one of the top business marketing shows in the world. Thank you so much. But there's always more we can achieve there. So thanks for supporting that. In the show notes, You'll see a link to how to join our Facebook community, see all these positive people doing all these cool things online. We'd love you to come join us. That's absolutely free. And if you're wondering what the next step is, if you're willing to spend five bucks and go to silentsalesmachine.com, you never read my book, jump over there and grab it. I think you'll really like it. I am working on version 10 right now, but you'll get that 
for free. You'll get all future updates for free if you buy the book one time. So jump over to silentsalesmachine.com, read the hundreds of five-star reviews on Amazon if you'd like, because it has helped a lot of people out. And it's not just my head. It's not just my ideas. Keep in mind, I represent a large team of really smart people. Almost all of them are smarter than me. There's a couple who aren't. They know who they are. (laughs) Just kidding. Man, I have fun doing this. All right. Hey, this is Silent Jim signing off. Silent Sales Machine Radio. What a fun episode for me. I hope you got something good out of it too. Talk to you again real soon.